This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. G'day, everybody. Hope you're well. This is my first episode that I'm posting to Rumble before we post it to YouTube, so I'm going to give it a week or two. And so if you find this from the 28th of August 2023 until about the 10th of September, well done. Thank you. Thank you for supporting the show. I really do appreciate it. Now, the interview subject, the person at the center of this chat is Michael Starney from Dark Tranquility, The Halo Effect, and also Grand Cadaver. Now, the catalyst for the chat with Michael is due to The Halo Effect headlining Lagerfest, which is a festival, if you haven't guessed it. (laughs) It's gonna be touring Australia, select cities throughout November. So I'll certainly be at that. Now, in this chat here, of course, we talk a little bit about the festival, but it's just great to get the lowdown from a Gothenburg original. That is exactly what Michael is. So we talk about his early, the relationship in the early days with the members of In Flames, Hammerfall, how he got Dark Tranquility. Well, we talk about Dark Tranquility's recent, wouldn't call them travails, but they've had some band member changes. So we discuss that. And I pose a question, does Michael feel as though the Gothenburg scene of the early 1990s, is it as important to the evolution of extreme metal as the Floridian scene? Because I certainly think it is, but I ask Michael, so stick around and hear how he answers. Now, if you've tuned in via the podcast apps, you're going to hear a tune. And also, you people on Rumble, actually, the YouTube edition won't get this, but Rumble and the podcast apps, you will hear a Grant Cadaver song, A Crawling Feast of Decay, my favourite track of the year, released thus far, or one of them at the very least anyway. Grant Cadaver, killer band. Goes right back to the, the very roots of what the Gothenburg scene was all about. That's the philosophy behind the outfit. So yeah, listen to this track here, and once it's done, we'll dive into the chat. You people on YouTube, you know the drill. I can't play music, so you'll hear the chat right now. Either way, let's go. Sun, but it 
Hey, man. Michael, how's things, mate? Hey, how are you? Great, great. Nice to uh, hear early. <laughs> it was a surprise. I, I saw the email. Um, wow, I'd better get on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I've been doing a few today already, so yeah. No, that's great. Now, thank you for doing that. Yeah. How have the on that note, how have the calls been going? Oh, great. It's it's fun. You enjoy doing this sort of thing? I do. I mean, you get to talk about the, the things that you love. Um, it's not bad. Sometimes uh, when you're doing like 17 in a day or something like that, maybe oh it's, it's not yeah. as fun, but but that's that's rare, very rare. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. What, what are you, you've been doing this a long time and, uh, you know, I've been a fan of your work for a long time too, I've got to say, but uh, you, you've seen the transition mm. from print to internet to now it being more of a video based sort of a thing by video casting and YouTube and the like. Do you think that the standard of heavy metal journalism in inverted commas, do you think it's improved or it's about the same? Ooh. Um, I mean, it, it's definitely different, right? I mean, um, I kind of mourn the loss of, of some of my favorite magazines. Um, yeah. here in Sweden, we had two Sweden rock magazine and close up magazine that were fucking fantastic. And they have, have shaped, you know, how I, what I listen to, you know, my favorite band, some of the, fam my favorite bands I discovered through reading, uh, metal magazines, you know, and I grew up with metal forces from America, terrorizer, um, that kind of stuff. And, and I found pen pals, you know, through, through magazines um, and tape trading friends. So it has a very special place in my heart, you know, um, but of course this is faster, easier, more uh, easily digestible, you know, and, uh, um, and it's way faster. You can get things out in a day, you know, and information that can travel anywhere and anyone can access this. So of course it's great, but, uh, but of course, like with the attention span of, uh, of, you know, people today, it's different too. You know, um, I, I like the fact that some of my, the magazines that I write actually do long form interviews or articles, you know, where you can really dig deep into like a career of a band or, you know, or certain releases or a, an era or whatever, or producers, something like that. You know, these, these things that, that take time and someone really puts, you know, ton of effort into these articles. And I love that. And that's, that's one of the things that I miss, like kind of this more long form stuff, because apparently people don't like to read as much as they used to, you know? And uh, so, so that, that's kind of sad, but at the same time, like there's a lot of cool blogs that I, that I frequent that I follow uh, where I find a lot of new music. And, and of course, if there are, you know, interviews and things that I need to know about a new band that I don't know, uh, I will look it up and I can find all that information easily and super fast. So of course I, I appreciate that, but there's something to you know the the old ways of doing things that I that I think yeah. I prefer. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that point there. Oh, look, I, I have a wonderful opportunity here with the podcast, the videos, and the like to connect with fans and fellow yeah. appreciators of extreme metal and the like. But I grew up in the same era you did, you know, with Metal Maniacs. I interviewed Mike Greenblatt, yeah. who was the editor and oh, Terrorizer yeah. magazine as well, like you mentioned there. And we didn't have a lot of fanzines down here, you know, when you sl slay a mag, but it was really yeah. hard to get a hold of copies that were like less than 12 months old back in those yeah. days because of the yeah. tyranny of distance. But the the 
probably the only significant downside I'd say in and amongst everything else is this clickbait issue that we've got at the yeah. moment with uh, Blabbermouth oh. and all these other sites that and it's not just Blabbermouth, right? They're probably the tamest version of it, really. There's True. these typing your name or dark tranquility or what have you into YouTube. Now, I haven't done it, but I'm willing to bet that someone's repurposed and appropriated all of this content, just put together some bullshit thing to try to make yeah. it really controversial and like feats and clicks. We know that. And if I could yeah. do away with that, if I had a wand where I could do away with all of that and then encourage people into long form reading books again, biographies yeah. on these great musicians like you, mate, that's the wand I'd wave. Yeah. Yeah. But it, yeah, I mean, and I think, well, podcast has done a great job of kind of replacing the the long form interviews. Mm. And I, I really love that. There are some, some amazing ones that I, that I love where it's, you know, like, yeah, take your time. Like it's, if, if it's two hours, no worries, you know, like I love that stuff. And I, I, I've learned so much about artists and, you know, and TV and movies and all that stuff that I listen to. But I think that that, that is a great way of, of uh, getting close to, to kind of uh, an artist and really like, yeah, just listen to them talk for, for an hour or two. So um, there's a great one here in, in Sweden, like uh, they, they do, Sometimes they do a whole series just on, on different artists and bands, um, just totally deep dive into sometimes the entire discography or sometimes, you know, uh, musicians talk about other bands and stuff. It, it's amazing. So that is it's a good way. And I, you know, and for me, I'm always leaving or traveling or something like that, like listening yeah. to podcasts rather than carrying, or, you know, carrying with me books or magazines. It's, it's a pretty damn sweet alternative, I think, to that. Yeah, I'm with you. It's, it's these days. It's YouTube, Spotify, and Kindle. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and, and, I mean they're all on your phone, and I'm I'm like everybody else. So I've got to be honest. Yeah. A conversation for another time. But by the way, but yeah, yeah I'm, I'm a bit worried about the free speech component of everything. So I'm looking at some options with Odyssey, maybe. But there just isn't yeah. isn't the audience there at the moment, as you know. So you can put it no. there, and it gets 20 views compared to the thousands that you might get on YouTube. And yeah, people yeah, are yeah. here. There's no doubt. But when we, I had a mate, oh, a bloke online, actually, I should say, tell me uh, in response to whether or not I should do that or not, telling me that he's using Google Drive, so YouTube, Google, same company, and um, yeah. telling me that he got a warning sent to him via email for a video that was okay. in his Google Drive, so not publicly available, talking about, what? you know, alternative theories about what happened with coronavirus. And I think we're in very, very dangerous territory when that sort of Ooh, stuff Oh, yeah, that is, that is scary. Yeah, I, I spoke to John Joseph from Cromags and we spoke about the coronavirus yeah. and what was going on there. And I got a, you know, the strike, you know, you get three strikes and I think and you're off. And I got I got a strike yeah. because of that. And I, wow. I just, yeah, and I look, I'm a, I've said it a few times on the podcast, mate, you know, I'm a regular citizen, a taxpayer, a mortgage holder, and my kids are at school. And I think we've collectively got to say, no, that's enough. Okay. If you, yeah. you know, the best solution to bad speech is airing it in the sunlight and letting people digest and say that's wrong, you know. Yeah. And 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 if it's if it's if it's just a lot of these so-called conspiracy theories about coronavirus anyway have turned out to be the bloody truth, especially about yeah, yeah, Anthony yeah. Fauci, you know. So it's yeah. it's just nuts that we're at a point where someone gets sent an email about something that's in their private drive, having contravening yeah. the terms and, and conditions of service of that product. Yeah. And, and I, I am. I've got to be honest, mate. I am worried about that. So you you might be one of my first episodes that I I put on uh, Odyssey or, or Rumble as a first dig, and then maybe later put okay. it on YouTube if you don't mind. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. So there we go. But uh, yeah, 
brings it up to the point that we actually have to, we are having this conversation, which is uh, due to Lagerfest. John texted me yes. a couple of couple of weeks ago about it, and um, yeah, he said, uh, I think he said something like, "We'll catch up in Brisbane," you know, because he's from down south, and he yeah. said, "We'll catch up in Brisbane," because I'm really both looking forward to watching you guys. And I said, "What? Yeah. What do you mean the Halo Effect are touring?" He said, "Yes, they're playing on Lagerfest." So, <laughs> is this is this your? I don't think this is your first time in Australia. So correct me if I'm wrong, if it is or it isn't. But you guys must be looking forward to this, knowing you've got quite a fan base down here. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's the first time for this band, uh, of course. Um, with Doctor Hulidi, I've I've been with toured three times times I think in Australia, but it's been seven or eight years since the last time. So it's it's about time that we uh, that I come back. And uh, the other guys have been to Australia a few times within Flames, of course. But uh, this is the first time we yeah, had doing this, so it's going to be awesome. Like I I cannot wait. Um, it's going to be a nice change from. You know the coming winter here in uh, up north. Um, so uh, I, I I cannot wait to kind of yeah. There's a lot of friends that I have been dying to see and um, a lot of beers that I need to drink. That kind of stuff. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. Big question for you. A lot of Jasper fans out there. Will he be coming down as well? I don't think so. No. Um, for Jasper, it's like traveling is 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 a big issue for him and. Um, so he he won't be. I don't think so. I would love to, and it would be awesome. And let's see. And I know he wants to, um, but he also knows that, it, you know, if you have like addiction problems, like he has, like being on a, um, you know, twenty five hour flight and stuff like that, it's just not the best um, environment for him. Um, but we'll see. But and I really hope so. It would be fantastic. Yeah, I only spoke to him a couple of weeks ago. It was great to see him again. Oh, and he, look, he's he's yeah. looking good, you know, and he seems Oh he, yeah, for sure. Yeah. He seems to understand what's going on to your point. So I was it was gonna be a minor miracle, I think, if he was gonna come down here. But I thought, God, if it was one tour, because he's only been down here a couple of times, I think, in the very early yeah. uh two thousands or what have you. Yeah. You know, so um is he still a part of your songwriting process though? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um and that's that's what I love. Like he he brings so much to it, and uh, uh, and it's it's amazing to see. Like going to the studio when we started kind of recording for the for the next album. Um, Jesper's instinct is so kind of finely tuned and so kind of instinctual that you know we can sit and work on something that we we've been working on it for hours and hours, and then Jesper goes in and says, "Let me take a stab at this," and then solved you know and he just has this way of uh finding just the perfect kind of melody or the perfect rhythm or perfect riff to kind of like solve any issues we might have with a song and it's it's amazing to see and uh so he really he contributed a lot to this to the new songs that we we've been writing oh, and um yeah yeah that's great to see yeah great yeah so so days of the lost it's um look it's a very solid album um and cool, i feel you. as though it's it's interesting for you guys because it was a temptation early on to label it as a super group because it is in a way but because of the album's strength we don't have to use words like that because it's the album and therefore the band you stand on your own two feet so do you, do you feel as though this band has the legs in in some ways to become the main thing i could totally appreciate that there's there's dark tranquility and a killer band and you know, one of one of the formative bands in the genre too. I must add too. Congratulations yeah. on that. But the halo effect, the future is very bright, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah, and that's the hardest part. Like I have to uh, 
do both like all the time. Uh, so it's, it's, it's full on, you know, Dr. Julio, of course, it's always my priority and it's always going to take precedent. Like it's going to, you know, I'll, I'll drop anything if, if Dr. Dr. Julio comes first. Right. But mm-hmm. we're going to manage to, to do this as well. And, um, and it's a bit of a challenge, but so far it's been, it's been okay. You know, some weekends are insane where I have to do three shows, uh, with two different bands, um, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And also like coming home from a tour with one band and just, you know, home for a week and then go out on another tour with another band, oh, that right. kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah, but it's all my fault, you know, <laughs> and so far I think I can handle it, but, um, but it, it's, it's cool. Like we, we didn't set out to do anything other than just write music together and have a great time. Um, we've known each other since we were teenagers. So kind of doing this now with all the experience that we've had have between us, uh, makes this just like a joyous thing where we could, yeah, focus on making music that we love and, and having a ball doing it. And, um, it's been, and we decided early on that if it's not fun, if we don't feel it, if we don't kind of feel this kind of like creative thing and have fun while, um, you know, touring and uh, then we won't do it, you know? Um, but we're in a stage now where we're kind of dying to put out a new album and, and do this all over again, you know? Um, and it's only been a year since the first album, but we're already kind of already ready, kind of like, oh, hey, let's, let's, let's move on. Let's do more. And, um, yeah, it, it means I'm, I'm constantly busy and I'm never, <laughs> never have any time off, but, um, it's worth it. I think. You've got another good problem, which is that the grand cadaver. Okay. I, I've yeah. got, I got sent deities of death, like sleep last week. And oh, nice. I've cool. got without pissing in your pocket. I think it's the track of the year so far. Nice. I, I heard it and went, Thank you, holy shit, I'm an old old Sweet yeah. Death and Gothenburg sound fan. So for somebody yeah. like me, you know, that sound is right in the sweet spot that you've got there, bringing it right back to the very origins of, you know, you guys, you know, you're 19 years of age and you're three years into your rehearsal sort of sound. You know, yeah. that's, that's that's the way I felt about that. So, yeah, t- can you t- talk about what's going on there? Yeah, and I mean, I mean that's exactly what we set out to do. Um like Alex, who writes most of the material or everything, uh, basically he he's a neighbor of mine. He lives three houses away, and we started hanging out and going to the same shows a couple of years back, and uh, we came became friends. And um, during the pandemic, he asked me like, "Hey, you know," and he's constantly writing. He's doing all kinds of projects, and he was like, "I have this idea about a you know old school death metal band, you know." And he he grew up in Stockholm, and one of his teachers used to be like the old guitar player from Tiamat. So when he was like 14 or something like that, his teacher said like, oh, you guys are into metal, right? And he like they, he gave <laughs> Alex a couple of records and it was Tiamat and Dismember or something like that. <laughs> and off he went and that, that became like his entire world. And then, uh, and then he moved to Gothenburg and started hanging out. And then he said like, let's do it. And then we have Stefan who used to be in Tiamat back in the day and, and Daniel who plays, used to play with Catatonia. So it's just like, this made sense. And we said like, let's have fun. Let's write something super fast. And that's what Alex is, uh, does. He writes songs in a minute. It's insane. And then um, I'm, I'm given like a week to write all the lyrics and then we record in six days or something like that. So mm-hmm. coming from like the halo effect that takes six to eight months to record an album and DT, it takes a year or more to six days of just like recording it. And it means like it really is going back to, 
to the roots of, of what you truly loved about this genre you know like this is what i grew up with i went to see nihilist you know when they played here um in was it 88 or something like that um so this is this is so close to our hearts and uh it's it's so much fun to just write basically insane lyrics about nothing um and and have a blast you know and uh, so we we don't get to see each other that often because everybody lives in different places it's only me and alex and christian who are here but um we're going to do some shows we have some shows in november coming up in october and um so we we're, yeah under yeah the album comes out on uh, friday and okay. yeah, two days from now and um and and it's it's amazing like it's so much passion that goes into this project that it's it's insane so but it, it doesn't take up that much time but it takes a lot of i don't know like a lot of planning and a lot of kind of uh energy but in a good way you know yeah i can, I can hear it don't worry it comes right across yeah and look here's yeah. a point i wanted to raise so i love talking to you guys who were in the scene back in the day and you've been doing it for decades you know and I've long felt that the Swedish scene, so the Gothenburg scene of the of the early '90s in particular, it's as important to the evolution of extreme metal as the Floridian scene was. Okay, is that a, is that a comment you agree with? I don't know. It's hard to to for me to say. I think, but um, because I know how important the Florida scene was to me. Mm. You know, growing up with Nocturnus and uh, and Executioner and uh, Atheist D side that kind of stuff. I mean, that was everything to me um so but it's you know of course i we, we see it and we hear it from a lot of people that you know who they kind of maybe grew up a little bit later than than i and started listening to to music from 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 gothenburg or from you know sweden in general um and that became everything so um so i i, I get it you know I, I don't know in terms of how important certain things are but i'm i'm really really proud of what we have accomplished in, in Sweden and in, in Gothenburg in particular, um, where um, I think there are so many great bands and so many original bands. And certainly if there is a sound, it's, it's the sound of good quality and uh, and good musicianship and integrity and uh, and passion. And uh, and it, I always felt that like we have some of the best bands in, in many, many different genres. And to me, that's fantastic. Like we have, fantastic you know prog rock we have amazing doom metal bands we have a lot of psychedelic cool um bands and insane black metal and fantastic death metal of course and uh so it's it's all there and um the variety is insane and which means i get to go to shows every week you know seeing new bands um and i i love that so it, it's it's really cool and it and of course it's it's amazing that we kind of left um mark somehow is gothenburg i'm none the wiser by the way it's the first time i'm asking this question interestingly enough but is gothenburg similar to melbourne that it's a bit of an arty sort of a town is it city Ooh, i don't know enough about melbourne to make that uh comparison i think but but it it, it is um I mean, it's the second biggest city. It, it's not as, you know, intense as, you know, like a capital is, like uh, like Stockholm is. Um, and it's it's very much encouraged um, to, to be a musician or an artist. Um, there are a lot of venues. There's, you can get 
you know, a lot of help when you're an upstarting band. You can, uh, you know, opportunities to, to find a, a rehearsal room, rent equipment, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I would say so. Like when in the, in the early 90s, there was like this um, music contest in town that went every weekend where all bands kind of played and, you know, did three songs each. And it was the biggest thing. Everybody went, there were thousands of people every night. And all the kind of young bands could actually perform on a proper stage in front of a proper crowd. And that really sparked um, the imagination. Like when, when we were kids, like, oh, holy shit, we want to be part of that. And then we were eventually. And, and that kind of inspired us to go bigger and to, to kind of continue. So stuff like that has always been going on. So I think, uh, yeah, there's everybody's a musician here. It's insane. Everybody I know. <laughs> yeah, S Sydney and Stockholm. I haven't been to Stockholm, by the way, but I imagine that the vibe yeah. would be similar. Just chaotic yeah. um, global cities with tons of different people yeah. from all, all walks of life from all across the globe. Exactly. Melbourne's yeah. a bit like that too, but it still feels like, and they don't like me saying this, but it still feels like it's got that country town Australian yeah. city vibe about it, where Sydney's lost yeah. it decades ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the same. Stockholm. And I think yeah. that goes for a lot of, you know, capital cities contra, you know, the, the second biggest city or something like that. This is, you know, people are from Gothenburg here, whereas in Stockholm, everybody's from somewhere else. Yeah. Precisely. That's that's exactly how it is yeah. in Sydney. Don't worry. Yep. Yeah. Gotcha. I'm going to cast your mind or keep keep this track going if that's okay. Now, look, yeah. I've read a, a, some interviews with you, but I, I haven't heard you being asked this qu question recently. Okay. So I'm going to cast you to cast your mind back uh you know, what is it, 30 years ago now, but how come you left in flames after the lunar strain? I, I didn't leave because I never really joined. Uh, so um, it was it's 90, right after we recorded Skydancer, first Dark Tranquility album. Um, Anders, who sings this within flames now, he he left Dark Tranquility. So I started singing and I stopped playing guitar and we got Freddie Gewonson to play guitar. And during this time, I started talking to Jesper and he was in another band called Ceremonial Oath and he wasn't really happy. He wanted to do something else. So he, he asked, he said, like, I'm going to start another band with some friends. And if you like to sing on the demo, it would be great. I just want to have a demo so that we can uh, send it out and maybe get a deal, you know? So, so we did and recorded like a three song demo. Um, and it was fun. And for me, it was just, uh, more practice and more experience, you know, like we were rehearsing like crazy with Dr. Quillity writing in the gallery at the time. And, and yes, we were like, Hey, come over and then we rehearse and spend time in the Russell studio and then actually record a demo in, in, um, studio Fredman. And that was the first time I was there. Um, and then that demo immediately got picked up. So <laughs> this, this label from, from down south, Malmö, um, they wanted to do an album. And Jesper asked me to to be part of that. And I said, like, I don't know, like, I don't want my first album as a singer to be anything other than Dark Tranquility because that, that feels weird. Mm -hmm. But he um, he bought me some beers and I was convinced. And then, uh, and then I said, okay, fuck it, let's do it. And then we, so then we recorded Luna Strain and that was it really. Like, um, and then we immediately after that, we started recording the gallery. And so um, and we did, what was it two shows, one in Berlin and one in Stockholm. And that was it like with, with that lineup. And then, um, then Jesper moved on and he got, two other singers to sing on those uh, EPs that he did later on. And then, then Anders joined like two years or three years later. Um, so yeah, so I was never really 
part of that. So I never left. <laughs> really, it clears that up. Yeah, yeah. But it's a, it's a common misconception. Like it's always like, oh, did you did you and Anders kind of meet on a bridge, you know, within the headlights, and then you kind of <laughs> the band switch singers, you know, like, you know, like in a movie. But no, that that didn't happen. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, what about with Hammerfall? What happened there? Uh, <laughs> well, funny you should mention it because that that rock contest that I, I spoke of uh, that yeah. was. Uh, part uh, of the reason why Hammerfall formed. So Oscar wanted to form a heavy metal band so that he, we can play at this this contest because it's it's fun. It was a cool thing. You, yeah, as I said, like you, you get to be in a uh, in front of a big crowd and play like a professional PA and all that stuff. And so we 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 started and we entered that contest and we did you know three songs. You you do two songs and one cover. That was the kind of like the rules of the the contest. And then that was it. And it was fun. And then the year after we did the same thing, but then they liked us enough so that we got to the semifinals of this contest. And this was 96. And when the, the time of the semifinals came, I was on tour, like our second tour with Dark Tranquility. And so they needed another singer. And uh, Oscar said like, oh, I'm going to talk to Joachim. Like he, he can probably do it. He just came back from, from America to like, you know, music high school that I, he went to. And and I for me it was just a fun thing. I'm not a you know traditional heavy metal guy at all. That's not really my thing. So we just had had a blast doing it together. I love Oscar and I love the band, you know. And I and I'm so happy and proud of what they have accomplished. But for me, they was kind of like, yeah, cool, go ahead without me. I'm fine, you know. And and Joachim is such a great singer, and I could never do the stuff that he does. So it was um, it was just a brief little fun thing to do. It's interesting, though, talking to you. I'm just reminded that a lot of the bands did swap members there for a period of time. There was it was uh, absolutely yep. a scene, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a scene. It was a scene yeah, I mean, where yeah. people you were rehearsing in adjacent rehearsal studios to each other and sharing beers and stuff. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, yeah, it's a tiny. I, I mean, it's not a big city, and especially in the early '90s, nobody kind of knew about you know extreme metal. So it was only us. Like there was this bus line, you know, that took us from where, where I grew up into town, you know, um, and it's like a 40 minute, uh, bus ride. And along those bus ride, like I got on first and then Thomas Lindbergh from at the gates came on, mm -hmm. then Nicholas and Anders Friedian came on the next stop. And then we had the Bueller twins came on the next and then Anders Evers from Tiamat and Sir Monoloth and Dr. Quillity and, 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 and Peter Evers as well. Like those were all on the same bus line. And that's how we, how we met and how we started to hang out. And then there was this one small uh, venue in, in town where we all went to see kind of extreme music, whether it was punk or synth or hardcore, but mostly metal. And, and that was the dream to kind of play there eventually. And, and, and we did in 91 or something like that, or 90 the first time. And, and so that's where the kind of the scene grew. And there was one record store called Dolores Records where they had metal, where you can actually get, you know, from Carcass or Morbid Angel and stuff like that. And that's, yeah, that's where everybody went. So that's how the scene got started. And of course that meant also like everybody started bands, but not everybody was compatible with everybody. So yeah, there's yeah. A, there was a lot of swapping in between members. Uh, maybe not so much for, for Dark Tranquility until uh, later, but, um, but yeah, that definitely happened. I mean, there's, there was not enough musicians. <laughs> Did you feel an overwhelming sense of camaraderie or was it a bit like a platoon where you could still have some bitching involved? 
no, it was uh, all all good friends first and foremost. I mean, that's how how it started. Like, um, yeah, just hanging out, like hanging out at each other's houses, listening to to music, uh, swapping records and uh, and fan scenes, and you know, trading tapes and and that kind of stuff. So that's how it started first, and then we started playing music, and then of course it was all about kind of sharing experiences and and helping each other out, and yeah, sharing rehearsal rooms and um, and equipment. That kind of stuff so there was never any like um yeah there was no competition between bands at all like and it still isn't uh regardless of genre or you know but now there are millions of bands of course from from the city but um it's always been like a really cool atmosphere we still hang out with all the musicians here in town uh, on weekends and shows and stuff so it's it's still a really cool cool vibe and i love it yeah, great. I'm just just talking to you. I'm just musing on this. It might be a Swedish characteristic there, being very egalitarian. Okay, rather than the tall poppy syndrome will bring each other down to a similar level. There's that element of encouragement, and it, it just happened at the right time, just as the match was struck, and you know there's a lot of oxygen in the room, and it allowed the genre, Swedish, and the Gothenburg scene to just explode. And was it a surprise? Yeah. Was was it a surprise to you guys though that? You were getting letters from people in Australia and that sort of thing. Yeah, really. I mean, of course, we we were the ones writing letters first. You know, as a, as fans, you know, I, I was tape trading and writing letters to all kinds of bands and ordering demos and and stuff um, in the late eighties. And um, so then when when we and and oh, we, we dreamed of love having something out. You know, like having a demo or a, and and I think our first seven inch was the one that kind of like got got some attention out there and it, it was fantastic to get it like orders for our seven inch from from south america or from australia for you know like from from america and like from you know south of france or stuff like that it was insane you know and it was so cool and it was of course yeah we couldn't have dreamed of it you know and but it was still a feeling like okay we we there are others like us out there, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, that that was really, really cool. But it was only uh, around like 95, 96, I think, when, when we realized that people are were really kind of into this uh, sound that we had. And, you know, Just a Race came out and Story of the Soul came out in the same year, 95, mm. uh, together with the gallery. So, so that became when it Great was year. first coined, you know, like when people started talking about it. And, I still remember we were on tour in Germany, our second ever tour, I think it was. And I was sitting in the bathroom and on the floor was like this uh, flyer for some new German band. And it said like playing traditional or class or true Gothenburg death metal. It's like, what the fuck is that? Like, I had no idea. Like, I never heard heard it before. No one had mentioned it. And I was like, what? There's bands like claiming to play like Gothenburg death metal band from Germany. Um, yeah. So that, that, and then I realized that this is, okay this is something you know that was cool but oh yeah yeah i think it started over here with entombed i think it's probably fair and then mm. sort of it came along behind yeah. them and and it was just yeah. I, I distinctly remember wolverine blues back in the day and thinking Fuck it was yes. an Amer think it was a british band that's right and then it was swedish okay. and thinking there's yeah, something yeah. going on over there because that sounded like nothing else at the time did it yeah Very no, no 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 i mean that was blown away and yeah, i remember yeah, nihilist, of course, and then when the first Entomb demo came, like, fuck, it was it was insane. Like, um, I was fortunate that like Thomas Limberg is 
two years older than I. So we had some friends from Stockholm so that came down. So I got to meet all these guys, like the Tiamat guys and stuff like that when I was just 15 or something like that. And they, it was really influential, just like hanging out with people who are just, you know, a little bit older, but had had some experience and actually had recorded demos, you know, and done stuff. And, and of course, like Thomas had grotesque before at the gates was formed. And, uh, I was a huge fan of that. And I always went to the rehearsal room and hung out. So that, that became kind of like a, a thing for me, like, Hey, this is possible. This can be actually be done, you know, and uh, that, that had a, a huge effect on me. And, and, and then, then no, is seeing how, yeah. And tune kind of, took the roof off of every venue they played and like it became a phenomenon phenomenon in itself and it, it was it was amazing to see hmm. yeah gotcha have i got time for a couple more questions or have you got a head oh uh, let's see one on there? i uh, no actually it's fine cool i'll just ask a couple more then yeah sure again i get someone like you mate and i just go these are the questions that i've had in the back of my mind for decades right? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to answer man yeah, look, I I never felt that there was a like a rivalry or any competition between you guys and Emperor and the you know the the black metal elite if you want to call them that. But did you ever feel that no. one? No, I mean, sure, there were people who called us life metal and uh, were not into you know if you're going to play death metal, it should be evil and should be this and that. But we tried to kind of go against all that, and uh, as much as I. I love some of the music that that kind of the philosophy and and that kind of extremism mm. never oh, appealed to me at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was, uh, and it was like only when I kind of got to meet some of these these guys that were talking so tough and in in, in the fan scenes that I read and I got to meet them. It's like, oh yeah, we're all fucking metalheads, and it was cool. So, but yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe there was a, a short time where we were not very popular with with some of the black metal bands, but I, that never really bothered me and and nothing really came of it. So, but it, but it was a thing, I mean, sure, you know, like in the nineties where, where we kind of blew up and, you know, churches caught fire and, and that kind of stuff yeah. in Norway. And it was, it was insane. And, and of course, like the kind of more mainstream media, um, kind of bundled all the extreme metal together and, and and thought that we were part of that too. And um, that was was kind of strange, but obviously, I mean, it, it was new to everybody. Um, but um, yeah, I, I, I'm, glad, I'm glad we never kind of, it was never a thing, you know, that, that we got caught up in. I think we, we managed to, um, to kind of exist very far away from all that. Yeah, yeah. Even back then, I felt in you know, far flung Australia with the uh, listing, and I remember there was a metal store down in Sydney called the Hammer House. Warhead Records and stuff was there, and yeah. the lady down there was telling me about what was going on over there, and it just sounded like these guys were lonely and being like they were bullied or something, and so they resorted to these yeah. really, really in hindsight, despicable acts. Let's face it, and yeah, yeah, and yeah. The, the way that elements of the media even glorified it and i've watched the yeah. uh lords of chaos film which i think a lot of people don't yeah. like it but i think that's a that's a very good summary in my understanding of what happens without going yeah. into the intimate details okay yeah yeah, yeah. you know and and summer and they're just to me they're just like a little elite club who yeah. these young men who just weren't bothered trying to fit in with the rest of society and yeah. the music was sort of almost became secondary to that and i think yeah. that's obvious because they got involved in all yeah. these anti-social activities yeah 
that was um i was i mean it was an interesting time but it, it went too far for sure like uh and yeah some some of my friends got so caught up in it and um mm. and that was sad to see you know um because of course there's an attraction to in that you know uh, for a lot of people but uh it was never that interesting to me like no for you, the musical side of things you know you know you, you still can't get an interview with sam off these days i've tried believe no me. um i know no. i know people close to him and he won't do it and no. I, my take on it is that he's just sick of being asked about all that bullshit back then i, I think wrong, so and uh yeah that's sad because that he's got be such too, a great contribution yeah. to it but he he's yeah. He's, he's off the radar these days, except for when you watch him live. Great guitarist, great, great musician. It'd be, it'd be lovely to have this type of a conversation with him, but it yeah. just can't happen. Maybe, maybe in the yeah. future, but who knows, you know? Yeah, let's hope so. But yeah, I, but I, I, I get that, you know, like if you know that like the same old question is going to come up every single time you, you talk to someone, then uh, let it go, you know, it's easy yeah. to, to, to not do it, but. Yeah, I don't, I don't blame him. I just think he's got such a great, great story to tell. Yeah. 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 Uh, with with uh, with Duck uh, Tranquility as well, you've had quite a lot of changes lately, haven't you? Just in the last couple of years, were they were they COVID yeah. inspired or? I wouldn't say inspired, but uh, parts of it happened during um, COVID, and um, yeah, like Andy Severs, who, who've been with us for for many years, and is one of my oldest friends. Like uh, during COVID, he realized that yeah, maybe I don't want to tour that much, and he he realized that. The, jo the day job that he has, he's a teacher in, in, a, in an amazing school outside of town. And he, he realized that this is really what I do. I don't want to leave these kids, you know, I don't, I don't want to be away. And when we started planning all this touring that we, we were doing last year, he realized that I, I, I can't. And, and I totally respect that. I, I miss him like crazy, and I see him all the time, but it's, um, it, it was sad. And, but I get it, you know, yeah, you should do what you, you truly love. And, uh, and for him, it was like being with his family and also like, yeah, the, all the students. And, um, and then kind of Anders, the other Anders uh, drummer left and that, that was kind of tumultuous in a way, but it during, so during COVID, like we were like, okay, like maybe it, I think it kind of, um, solidified exactly what you want to do. Like you, it, it's easy to find something else when, everything kind of went on a standstill and um for me it became even clearer that this is what i really really want to do so i and i started two other bands you know um just that so i could keep myself busy whereas a lot of other people you know another a lot of musicians kind of really like ah, maybe I'll, I'll find another source of income and something else to do uh so that was part of it and um but it was it was great kind of finding new new people so christian who also plays in gran cadaver like he's an old old friend of mine um some of our first shows that we ever had in gothenburg we did with this other band Sarka um <laughs> pagandom and he was like they were like our heroes when we were kids like when we grew up playing guitar we went to pagandom to see them and christian was the vocalist and bass player and they were like the best band in gothenburg for for many years and um so having him in the band is just fucking fantastic and um and then Joachim is a is a friend of Johan's from Malmö and they went to a music high school in, in Malmö together and studied and Johan immediately recognized like this guy knows his stuff like he can do play anything he can do anything and um 
and that was fantastic. So Joachim fucking rules. And he came to our, our first rehearsal. We had 17 songs and stuff like that for an upcoming festival. Mm. And we just said like, oh, okay, there's anything particularly like you need to ask or it's like, how do you feel? It's like, no, I know the songs. Let's go. And he played everything perfectly. So yeah. And he hasn't missed a beat since. And it's crazy. And then, yeah, re just recently, yeah, Chris Amott left, but he's, he's been kind of, him. yeah. And, it, and he's been kind of, he wants to do something else. And, and I think like he, he, he wants to kind of do his own thing. Whereas Dr. Quillity is very much um, a band where we, you all work together, but it's especially Martin Brenstrom and, and, and now Johan and, and I, mm. so, so it's kind of hard for anyone to kind of come into that group where we have been writing like this for, for such a long time. And I think he, you know, and he just wants to do his, his own thing, like the way that he wants to. And, um, so it just came to a point where he said like, yeah, I, I need to focus on other things. And, and, uh, so it is really sad because he's such a amazing guitar player and an awesome guy. And, but uh, I want him to be happy. You know, I want him to write the best possible music. It's just not dark tranquility stuff, you know, something else. So, and, and that's what he's doing right now. So. I'm 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 dying to hear what he is uh, working on, but so, so for now we're, we're looking for um, a replacement guitar for for Chris mm -hmm. Amott. But in the meantime, we have Chris' old guitar student Joey uh, Concepcion, and he's incredible. <laughs> like he's he's just insane. Like this, it's one of the best guitar players I've I've seen. Um, so it's for now it's we're good. It's it's fun to play together where everybody's like on top of their game and it, it's, it's even me and martin who the old guys we have to really fucking improve and become as good as these mm. new, new guys and and it puts the show on a different level i think for for us and um i couldn't be happier and we can play some songs that we haven't played ever before because they were too difficult or something like that and now we can play absolutely everything and that's fun to, to go back to cool. you know the 90s and pick up some songs that, that just haven't been played live Unreal. So it's yeah. awesome. It's it's good times. I'm I'm really happy. But yeah, it's been um, tumultuous and and Challenging. a bit difficult. But yeah, definitely a challenge. Mm. Hey, mate, this is my final question for you. And uh, look, you you're a sharp guy. How you tour a lot. You're in three bands, as we've mentioned, and you you've. But I, I don't remember you there ever being any commentary in social media or blabbermouth or even in magazines beforehand about you getting into a spot of bother or what have you. How have you avoided the pitfalls of alcohol through that period? Well, I, 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 I drink a lot. I love uh, drinking. I really but do. You know what I mean, though. Uh, like, it, yeah, it but, but I, I, I tell it hasn't affected you. No, but I, I don't. Um, yeah, I don't really have that addictive um, thing. You know that 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 makes me don't want to stop, uh, or I, I can always stop drinking uh, and and it's fine you know um so when we, we go out on tour it's a party every night always um but when i get home it's you know family time and you're just you yeah. know so I, i'm always fine with that but of course i mean of course it, it takes a toll and it's not healthy at all but uh, i'll i'll try you know i'll try to um stay as healthy as i can without stopping the drinking <laughs> I think that's the, that's the only thing I noticed that'll put the brakes on a lot of bands is that we're all getting older, right? I mean, I'm, I'm, you're not much older yeah. than me. I'm 45, right? But 
I just noticed there was a member in 2015, it was, I think, the eve of that when David Bowie and Lemmy died within about a week or two weeks of each other. Yeah. And it sort of brought in a sharp focus that if you really continue to abuse your body sort of in your mid-40s and thereafter, I don't know whether David yeah. will, I know Lemmy drank every day, but uh, I don't know whether David yeah. did that, but he certainly did his fair share, let's face it. But it seems yeah. it just seems like, you know, at a certain point, moderation is the norm as opposed to indulgence so, yeah. and that'll allow yeah. you to keep on doing it because we're just getting to this moment uh, the guys in cannibal corpse are approaching you know they're they're uh, past 50 now i think um yeah. trey from morbid angel i think is pushing 60 if i'm not mistaken yeah um and we want to see the bands continue going on but it just might be a physical yeah. thing where it's just not going to not going to happen and you, you just strike me as a very sharp guy who seems to have been able to find the balance in it amongst it all yeah, I don't, I don't know if, but, but, yeah, usually, I mean, it, you know, it always kind of, maybe you go too far sometimes during a tour, but, um, but it's all like you always have a show every day, so you know, you you gotta have to keep chalk for that. Um, so it, it's 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 okay. Um, I like to think that I've somewhat balanced. <laughs> Doesn't go don't don't go too far, but. But it's yeah. you, 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 you think about it like when you start a tour, it's like seven weeks. Holy fuck, that is this going to be rough? But oh, yeah, I don't know. I was talking to the Paradise Lost guys about that, and I said, "You guys yeah. uh, don't strike me as guys who drink a lot." And they went, "Hang on, hang on, hold up a bit there. We're like carrying the flag for drinking bands, and it just I guess some I guess it comes down to this: some people can, some people can't. Simple. Yeah, yeah. I think it's that. I mean. And um, yeah, and it's important. Like when you come into to Doctor Quilly, like you have to be a good beer drinker. That helps. <laughs> well, I couldn't imagine being too sloshed having to play those bloody technical guitar lines and those no, 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 rhythms no. and stuff you guys have got. I mean, no, no, no. It, can... it begins after after the show. Indeed, yeah, right. Yeah, well, it's been a pleasure finally catching up with you, mate. Um, yeah, good you luck, too, good luck in Australia, mate. You know, there's going to be a ton yeah. of people out there watching you guys headline awesome. the Lager Fest, and I'll certainly be there. Yeah. That's going to be super fun. I can't wait. I'm just going to travel all the way to the other side <laughs> of the world and go to South America and Mexico and America and well, before, but yeah. Oh, well, you know, save some beer drinking for you then, mate. <laughs> good, 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 good. Look forward to it. Absolutely, mate. No worries. Well, thanks very all much right. for the chat. Really Cheers. appreciate it. Cheers. Take it easy, man. Thanks, brother. Catch ya. Well, there you have it. A conversation with Michael Stanny from the outfits Dark Tranquility, The Halo Effect, and also Grand Cadaver. Very, very interesting stuff indeed. I love talking to these guys that have been there since the very beginning. So much wisdom and knowledge to share. Okay, if you like that chat, thank you to all you Rumble people for tuning in. I do really appreciate that because the future of the show, I think, is off-platform. I'm going to be migrating the show over time away from YouTube and onto the less visited sites, but I have very good reasons for doing that. You've heard me talk in other uh, episodes about the issues that certainly the show, I don't really have it too much here, censorship and cancel culture, but it looms, there's no doubt. And I wanna be able to have different conversations without the threat of an episode being pulled, such as the one with John Joseph, ex Chromags talked about the origins of coronavirus and all the bullshit with Anthony Fauci and the gain-of-function research and the big cover-up there by mainstream media and big tech. It's ridiculous. Facts are facts. Mm. But apparently, if you talk facts on YouTube, well, you get removed. Thank God for Spotify on that front. But nothing like video is there. And I know Spotify has video, but it's 
it's not a community thing, is it, like YouTube is, or hopefully Rumble will become. Okay, so there are many more chats over at scarsandguitars.com if you're interested. And whilst you're there, check out my book, click the link in the banner and you'll be taken to a marketplace of your choice. Do the rest, download a sample, etc. More information to share with you about the book in the moment, but before we get to that, I'll bid you a fond farewell. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith and I'm the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast. Until next time, it's a goodbye for now. This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. I've been the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast since 2017. The first musician I interviewed for the show was David Vincent from Morbid Angel, and things have just snowballed from there. In all, I've posted almost 650 podcast episodes featuring conversations with many of the leading lights of rock, heavy metal, and beyond. It just got to a point where I thought, I need to write a book about all this, so that's exactly what I did. In Scars and Guitars Volume 1, you'll read a heap of deep reveals and commentary, such as Des Fafara talking about Cold Chamber and why the band will never return. You know, if you're a, a band just starting out, you need to hear me. Do not start a band with partners. Yeah, wise words there. Sage advice, mate, for anybody. Don't ever, because I I can't go do Cold Chamber right now unless I get others involved. Phil Anselmo talks about the episode in his career, which gives him the greatest sense of accomplishment. I think the staying power of the the fans and the staying power of the the songs, you know, whether it's Pantera, Down, or Superjoint, the fans remember the songs. Alex Skolnick from Testament confirms that, yes, Playing the guitar in Ozzy's band is anything but an ordinary gig. Will Silent Oz from Demu Borgir write a book? Pa from Sabaton gives advice to people who want to start a band. Look at the team around you, look at the bandmates. If, uh, if the guys want to be on the stage, then it's all cool. If the guys want to be backstage, then it's not going to be cool. Current and former members of Cradle of Filth discuss the band's seminal 90s material. Read about the reaction to George Lynch and Mark from Suicide Silence's comments when they throw shade at then-President Donald Trump. We have this idiotic monster, you know, this egotistical, self-aggrandizing, complete piece of shit in there. I, I, just, I just can't understand how we've gotten to this place. And yeah, we kicked a hornet's nest with Sepultura. Percussive overlord Gene Hoagland talks about recording with Chuck Schuldiner. Chuck was always, um, you know, he was, he was very, you know, very open-minded, and and he was into having his his musicians that were playing with him just reach out for for the best stuff that they had. Phil Campbell from Motorhead discusses what it takes to get sober. John Five answers his critics who dismiss his tenure with Marilyn Manson. You know, my name is John Five, and Manson gave me that name, and um, I had some of the best years of my life in that band and, and learned a lot. And we get the lowdown on Trey Zagtoth from those who would know, including his mother. All across Scars and Guitars Volume 1, there are moments of tension, relief, tragedy, exhilaration, and throughout it all, you'll obtain insight that I believe no one else has managed to obtain from many of your favourite artists. So treat yourself. Scars and Guitars Volume 1 is currently available as an ebook with a print edition on the horizon. Follow the links attached and download a sample. I'm sure you'll be compelled 
to read the whole book.